You're listening to the Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. You're listening to the Confidential Brief. My name is Chad Thomas. Today we start a new series of Confidential Brief, and we are focusing this year on organizations mainly manned by volunteers that are making a difference in South Africa. They may be non-profit organizations, they may be non-governmental organizations, but their aim and objective is to help South Africans. Today we chat to Mike Fenter from the South African community Crime Watch about an organization that was founded this year, 10 years ago. Mike, a very good afternoon to you. Hi, good morning, Chad. Thank you. So, Mike, 10 years that the organization has been in existence. Give our, our listeners a brief introduction as into what the South African Community Crime Watch does. Well, didn't it start off in 2012, uh, really similar to what um, is uh, on WhatsApp these days. You've got your community groups and so forth. Back then, we were working with Blackberry, so there was no, there was no WhatsApp at that stage. And Stephen King, who's, uh, who is... Uh, uh, was founder and NCO is based in Durban. At that time, I was based in Newcastle. And um, we got in touch with each other, and um, I started a, the same sort of operation running in Newcastle while he was operating in Durban. Uh, it became very successful, really quickly. And um, then um, handed the branch over and then relocated to Gauteng to extend the areas that we cover. And, um, yeah, we're now national. Um, we registered officially with the Department of Social Development in 2015. And it was during that year as well that we that we started taking on missing missing persons cases. Uh, we were working um, in conjunction with other missing organisations, but we decided to go on our own. And um, over the years, it's growing now. You know, the missing persons unit is certainly um, our most busiest. We handle on average about 250 cases a month. In many of these cases, we we locate the missing person before having to go to fire stage, and there's uh, and there's very good reasons for that, which I'll get into. But since then, it's it's also going into human trafficking. Uh, we get a, a, a many community alerts as to warning signs and areas of human trafficking events happening. Uh, these cases we would investigate, and once we have enough information, we hand it over to the Hawks to to take them from there. And then of late, especially in the last year, and I think more as COVID has has kicked in, we're getting uh, many calls now for gender-based violence extractions, where members of, of the community will come to us, they know a friend or a family member that is suffering GBV, and then again, in conjunction with law enforcement, we will arrange extraction and um, take them through to uh, either family or some other sort of place of safety. So, Mike, what I love about your organization is that you embraced social media right in the beginning, when BBM was still a thing. When people were using BlackBerry Messenger, you found a critical use for it. And within a year, you grew to 9,300-odd members using a, a, a platform such as this. And you're now sitting on 150,000 followers um, that follow you via different social media platforms. Is it through these platforms that you're able to get the message of who's missing out there and to also get the 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 kind of assistance that you need is it still so community based or would you say it's more the interactions in terms of the relationships you've created with different law enforcement agencies? Uh, Chad, I think it's a combination of both. When it comes to when it comes to missing persons units, we go to a fire state as a very last resort. So we will we, we will always try and trace that person on what on on what we call a quiet search or a technical search. 
because as soon as you go to go to fly stage and that missing persons fly gets out onto the social media network, it also works its way to the web, and it's out there forever. Um, you know, once once we have located somebody either um, uh, safe or sadly deceased, we will remove that fly from from our platforms. Um, but they do get shared, and um, you know we've had many cases. We and we warn we warn the families of this, but we've had many cases where families have come back to us many many years later and saying, you know, their daughter ran away when she was maybe 16, she's now 18, 19, she can't get work because this because this fly is floating around the web and it creates some sort of insecurity on the individual. But um, failing that, if we're unable to either uh, chase vehicle or chase the person in any other sort of way, we then resort to fire stage, and it it has been very very successful for us. Yes, um, on the social media network. I find the 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 stage is very interesting. I always thought the flyer was the the, the go to. We're going to go to our advertisers when we come back. I want to talk to you about the stages that are followed with regards to your protocols, how it would eventually lead to a flyer. But more importantly, we want to find out what the public needs to do if there is somebody missing or they suspect there's been trafficking. My name is Chad Thomas. I'm in conversation with Mike Fencer. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. You're listening to Confidential Brief today. I'm in conversation with Mike Fenter from the South African Community Crime Watch, and we're discussing the importance of community-based organizations that are non-profit um, and how they've been established and the work that they've done over the years in helping not just to combat crime but to find missing people, fight gender-based violence, and assist in the scourge of, of combating human trafficking. Before we went to break, Mike brought up a very interesting point. He said to me that the flyers we see on the Internet, um, on social media platforms, on WhatsApp groups, etc., are actually a last resort because people may save these online. There's always data that, the data that gets saved, and it may come back and, and haunt somebody at a later stage. So it's actually a last resort. So, so what happens? Let's not talk about the protocols people should follow first. Let's talk about what happens with your organization once a person is, is registered with your organization has been missing. I believe you're one of the few, if not one of the only organizations in South Africa that puts boots on the ground. Yes, yes, we we well, um, our field services do do operate nationally. Uh, we get a lot of calls from international families for help as well, with either families, family members, or friends stuck in the country. Uh, we had, for example, towards the end of last year, in September last year, um, an American family approached us. Their daughter, their thirty-six-year-old uh, daughter, um, her three-year-old twins, and um, two-year-old toddler were being held under duress in South Africa. So we, um, in that case. Um, Arranged extraction with 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 SAPS, took a flight down to Cape Town and took them under our care for the uh, following three weeks. That was 24/7, uh, while we got the necessary documentation sorted at the consulate and so forth, so we could get them on a plane back home. So there's a tremendous amount of travel gears um, out out uh, whether that be with uh, GDD kidnappings or. Or missing persons. So let's talk about that because we see a lot of groups out there on social media that just post these flyers. They don't seem to have the infrastructure you have in respect of having a decentralized command where you can call upon people in different areas to be able to physically go out 
check mortuaries, check hospitals, check police stations, and liaise with those people on the ground. And this, I suppose, is because you are 10 years old. You've grown to 150,000 members. But what what strikes me as being different is the fact that there's this interaction. So tell me a little bit about the flyers. I know that you are obsessed with flyers and all of your leadership group are obsessed with flyers and the way those flyers should be um, compiled and how they should be issued. Tell me about this obsession with the flyers and why flyers are so important. And, um, yeah, it's going back to, uh, you know, as I said, uh, as as a last resort, um, I personally, and um, I always tell my guys, please, you know, we must do everything in order not to not to go out with a flyer. And once you do, I think placement is 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 very very important. Where you're going to place that flyer on social media, we do a lot through the hard press as well. Um, for example, Hurdeput as one of the areas, all of our missing persons from SAPS, that side or SAP services, uh, you know, the Hurdeput press um, put out for us. So many, I think. Um, yeah, people will displace a flyer um, for the sake of getting it out there. I think for uh, for the right effect, you need to think exactly where where you're going to place a flyer to get the result that you that you're looking for. But this again is after all other grounds have been carried. And as we've mentioned earlier, the searches of hospitals, of um, of mortuaries, uh, chatting to friends. You know, we uh, also do vehicle tracking now um, through Navic, which assists us greatly in what we do. Um, not only for the missing persons side of it, but for um, on behalf of law enforcement to assist in locating stolen vehicles and, of course, all suspects as well. So you guys have really expanded from being a community-based organization in a specific area to having a national footprint and helping a lot of people, and not just people in respect of families that are looking for a missing child or a missing adult or somebody that's been trafficked or incidents of GBV, but you've even expanded into assisting in locating vehicles because you have this infrastructure at play. But let's go back to the crux of the organization's missing persons unit. For our listeners out there, there's this huge misconception that you have to wait 48 hours to report somebody missing. Explain to our listeners the, the processes that need to be followed if somebody that's close to them or that they know has gone missing. Well, first and foremost, um, as you mentioned, there is no waiting period, and this is in uh, SAP services instruction, there's no waiting period to report a missing person. So that's, that is uh, first, first point of call. Um, if anyone, uh, um, a family member... Steps also ask us to assist, but if a family member comes through to us and asks us, we will, ins- if they have not opened a case number, to insist that they do so. Uh, only then, once that once that uh, case number or operating brief number has been obtained, are we then in a position to assist. Um, once uh, they need to get to um, uh, SAPS with with uh, two or three most recent photos of of the of the missing relative. And they'll be asked there to complete what is what what is called a SAPS 55A. That is basically now SAPS getting the case underway. Um, we then, um, um, our case handlers as such, will make direct contact with the investigating officer and we will gain his or her permission to assist in the case. If we do not have their permission, we, we simply can't, can't take it on. So we adhere really strictly to, to the SAPS protocols in the search of anyone missing. Um, generally, we uh, it's very really seldom. I, I, I actually cannot think of one time where we've been turned down to assist SAPs. They always gladly accept our help. Um, then 
based on you know the actual search from our side begins in conjunction with the with the investigating officer. Um, as I mentioned, we'll try to the power to the all the technical um, uh, search first, and if we and if that doesn't bring about any results, uh, we then consult with the family and the IR to say we now think we need to go to a missing persons file, which will go over all media and hard press platforms. Once the person is found, um, you know, obviously the ultimate goal is to find them safe, um, but it, it often does come up we've we've located them deceased in a mortuary, or we've even managed to locate. Uh, victims that have been murdered and being able to point out through our um, through our sources exactly where they would be able to find the body. So once the once the, once the case is closed, they then have have to report back to SAPS to complete what is called the SAPS 92. That officially closes the case with 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 SAPS, and once that's issued, it it then closes on 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 our side as well. We then endeavour to to try and remove all missing persons flyers. Um, from as I mentioned earlier, from all our platforms, and then uh, replace with, uh, you know, either found safe or found deceased. And um, in many cases, when the victims are found safe, they in need of placement and what have you. We work in, uh, in conjunction with Unchained our children there, um, who assist us with the with uh, um, on the minor side as far as placement and that is concerned. And otherwise, we will try various safe houses. We'll see what we can do to put that uh, person into a place of safety or even if needed rehabilitation. Mike, you've just described something that is so complex and it now makes so much sense why an organization such as yours is essential in trying to assist in finding missing persons, persons who may have been trafficked, persons who are victims of GBV and other incidents of crime. We're almost at the halfway mark. When we come back, I want to chat to you about the challenges facing your organization. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. Today we're chatting to Mike Fenter from the South African Community Crime Watch and the SACCW, an organization that was founded 10 years ago to assist in crime awareness, more importantly, locating missing persons, assisting in GBV cases, and fighting the scourge of human trafficking. Now in its 10th year, it has in excess of 150,000 followers. It has team leaders throughout the country that volunteer, and it has a couple of permanent employees. But, Mike, I'm sure to fund such an operation cannot be easy, especially being a non-profit organization. Yes, I think for being any NPO um, uh, at this time um, is difficult. Uh, I've been, but I must be honest, I've been really surprised by the results that we've had in support. Local business and all government will support us. And um, we've tried in December, I'm sure you've noticed, we went out on a, on a fundraising effort for our uh, missing persons unit. And um, sadly, it, it raised over the four-week period just over 4,000 rand, which is which is which is which was really donated by past victims or their families. Uh, there's there's very very little support in what we do. Uh, the international families that 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 come to us for for assistance, uh, they certainly do support. Uh, but from the local side, um, there's there's simply it's it's there's barely any support. So, Mike, that's one of the reasons we're having this conversation today. Um, I've made 2022 the year about the volunteer in respect of where I can help. So it's not me that's volunteering. It's me that's identifying those organizations who are made up of volunteers that need our assistance as Joe Public. What can we do 
as the people listening to the show, the people that are interacting with you, and those 150,000 followers that you have to enable this organization to continue doing the good work that it does? Uh, Chad, we've tried, we went onto our social media platforms and we, you know, we um, realized that we're not going to get the support from, uh, from business or government. We then decided to, to approach the community, our followers. And really, we, uh, what we asked was really, you know, just 10 rand uh, from, from even half of them would get us out of the situation, that, you know, where we, where we currently sit. Uh, and that is being with the, uh, the permanent staff members not receiving any uh, uh, sort of salary um, for just over a year now uh, to our field services vehicles, which is our national field services um, uh, unit being being now stranded to vehicles with with with, with no fuel. Um, we have, for example, in the case of a of a, of a missing uh, uh, German international now resident in South Africa from Port Elizabeth, uh, Sylvia Whittle, who um, we were um, in essence meant to have been down there uh, to assist over a week ago already, and we just simply don't have the finance to do it. So it's this is it's it, it's a call to the community now. Um, it's, you know, it, the small sort of donation will certainly get us out of the position, will help get us out of the position that we're currently in. So where do the listeners find out more about the organization? I know the organization. I know the organization's footprint because I follow the organization. But for our listeners out there, where would be a starting point for them to find out more about what your organization does and for them to see how perhaps they can assist your organization in this fight for survival? Firstly, they, uh, they're welcome to visit our, our webpage, uh, www.saccw.org.za or um, on the various social media platforms um, that we have where we, where we reach out to our followers for assistance um, on, on, on Facebook. There are a number of, of pages there. Um, in other area bound, depending on where that SACCW branch is based, it, um, it would service, it would have, for example, SACCW Whitbank. Voices, CCW, Hillcrest. You know, th- th- those are area, area-specific branches. And then, of course, on the missing persons uh, um, uh, side of operations, we have various various missing persons uh, platforms out there as well. So we're really prevalent on um, on social media. Uh, there's the there's the web page, and then of course uh, we've we've also appeared many times on uh, on from us you know, programs like from us and. And, and hard person search. So, uh, yeah, generally I'd say social media. Tell me a little bit about the, um, NAVIC partnership. Has this helped in being able to, to locate vehicles that missing people went missing in? And what is it that NAVIC does? It's helped tremendously, Chad. It has. Uh, we met up with NAVIC just, just over a year ago. Um, and for your listeners, I'll just, uh, just to, just to explain, because I know you quite aware. Navic uh, um, run um, a camera system which operates under automatic number plate recognition, also known as LPR, license plate recognition. Uh, we tend to go under the uh, um, ANPR name, automatic number plate recognition. So what what this um, uh, what we've tested it through for a year now, basically. Uh, Blackstorm Africa, which is a company based down in Belito, who uh, specialise in artificial intelligence. Solutions sponsor us access to the to the Navic system, 
Um, and what this enables us to do, and again, it doesn't only work in, on missing persons, but it could work for wanted suspects or sought suspects via CPS. Um, as soon as a vehicle passes one of their cameras, the camera picks up um, the vehicle's registration plate and it gets stored to, to a national cloud. We are then able to see at any time um, or place where that, where that vehicle is. Um, there was uh, an, another case example was last week when um, uh, one of our Durban uh, members, Alan Cutton, came forward. He was, he was uh, in search of a missing couple that had just come through to him. And through the NAVIC AMPR system, we were, we were able to, to, to check them down within 10 minutes. Fortunately, they were safe. Uh, they just never communicated to the family their whereabouts. But it's certainly, it's helped us, and we've seen it over the last year, uh, improve on safely, safely finding those, those missing and those that we're looking for or need to help staff with if, 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 if sought. NAVIC have further extended the program now to help us at the, at their own expense in that they'll now be able to flag uh, missing persons vehicles on the system. So whether that person has been hijacked or kidnapped or generally missing, uh, we load that once a case number has has been assigned, we then load that vehicle registration onto the system and get them um, alerted immediately as soon as that vehicle passes one of the cameras um, as to as to where it is. So yes, it's um, it's you know, thank you to Blackstorm Africa and to Navi for this because it's um, it's 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 really helped our our services improve drastically. Um, just as an just as an indication, Navic MP um, um, since it started in 2016 has has read over 1.4 billion license license plates, and currently um, they adding on, which is ever increasing, another 100 million license plates. It's Per month, so the system certainly works, um, and yeah, it's 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 been a great asset to us. I think what sets Navic aside is that a lot of their vehicles, or a lot of their cameras rather, are vehicle mounted, not static mounted. So these vehicles are on different roads, on different highways, utilised by a multitude of of independent organizations that's able to feed this information back to the cloud. So it's not like you're waiting for a vehicle to pass a static point. These vehicles are driving through um, to these different points. That, that, that's correct, yes. And they've also had, they, they've also introduced the safer schooling projects as well, where these AMP, um, AMPR cameras are mounted, you know, especially with child kidnapping now these days, which is, which is a main concern. Um, they've introduced, you know, safer schools. They, um, the AMPR systems are, um, installed as static cameras at shopping malls, uh, neighborhood, you know, neighborhood watches and so forth. So we're able to see all the information that is fed from all these cameras on, um, stored in the one cloud and able to, you know, do what it is we need to do as soon as possible. Such an important tool, and it's nice to know that a volunteer organisation such as yourself isn't just making use of the traditional way of communicating, which has become traditional in South Africa, that being social media and these different um, WhatsApp type groups, but also take advantage of the technology. We're going to take a break to hear from our advertisers. When we come back, it's going to be closing comments and contact details for the South African Community Crime Watch. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. Today we're chatting to Mike Fenter from the South African Community Crime Watch about the important role that this organization has played the last decade in helping to locate missing people fight GBV and, of course, attack the scourge of human trafficking. Along with that, they're also involved in other crime-fighting initiatives 
and have partnered up with organizations that are supplying the necessary technology to assist them in, in their mission. Unfortunately, the world being as it is at the moment, volunteer organizations, especially nonprofits, are battling at this point in time to be able to sustain the service that they offer despite the service being in such demand. Mike, for you, volunteers are important, but getting support is as important. For you, I, I can understand the situation that you find yourself in because you want to continue with the service, but you can't unless there is a drastic change in the way people view nonprofit organizations and volunteer type organizations. Why do you think people are apprehensive to support um, organizations? Is it is it purely financial that people at this point in time have suffered through COVID or is it just a general apathy until suddenly they need the service? Chad, your, your last statement, I think you, you hit it there on the head. Um, you know, we've, we, we've tried various, various fun, fundraising efforts. Um, and I've seen charities, and you know, I don't want anybody to get me wrong, I'm certainly not anti, uh, anti, anti-animal at all, but I've seen pet food being raised where six, six figure sums are raised, um, in pet food donations. And we've been unable to, um, obtain not even, not even 10 rand from, you know, Riding on the other event, or them riding on us. Um, I think it's people don't believe it's, it. Um, it can happen to them that they, that anybody in their family will be will go missing or will be kidnapped. Um, it's it's it's. We, we, well, in fact, I've had over the years, I've had two people that we did approach um, for support, including one celebrity, and um, it was turned down. And uh, you know, um, not long afterwards, they actually did come through to through to us for our assistance. So yes, it's it's it's. Uh, I, I think it's that belief that uh, people simply believe it's it, you know it it doesn't affect them why uh, why must they get involved when um, when the truth is it, it's 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 out there you know whatever human trafficking or missing or even a suicidal person that we need to check down in record time in order for them not to harm themselves the possibilities out there can happen to anyone any family. Well, Mike, we're going to be sharing all your links on our social media. Um, pages. We really wish you well. We know that the organization has done so much good the past decade, and we know that organizations like this need to grow from strength to strength, but can only do so with the support of the public. So we wish you well with this, with this fundraising initiative, and we sincerely offer any assistance that you may need going forward to keep your business sustainable. Thank you, Chad. Thank you very much for the opportunity as well. It's greatly appreciated. And yes, um, I must be honest, you're the first one that's ever approached from, from this angle. Um, you know, normally when we go to media, it's, it's when we're in search of somebody. So um, on behalf of SACCW, thank you very much for the initiative and um, it's, it's truly greatly appreciated. Mike Venter is the Chief Operations Officer of the South African Community Crime Watch.